Blog Talk Radio. How do I know it's safe to have a son? In this America, in this America, how do I know it's safe to have a son? In this America, in this America. America by the artist Melody Angel in this America. She gives us the perspective of what some mothers may feel like. Why would I bring a child through this womb into this world to see them slaughtered, to see them killed? How will I know? How will they treat them? I must admit, I feel a certain weight and gravity with a program like this um, that I don't feel with other programs. I so want to get this right. I so want the voices to be heard. I want them. I want them to be heard. Pain like this 
chain like this. Needs a voice. And Rhymes Media Group has has vowed it's part of the mission. It's our mission, part of the mission statement that we give voice, that we give voice to these sort of issues, to this sort of pain, that we give voice to it. Now, as we wait for those to call in who will be calling in, um, across the country, Yolanda, and and thank you, Shana, for all the hard work you did, and Alice and Candace and Kevin, Gabriel, Monique, uh, 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 Pastor McCory. I know I won't get everybody in, but I thank you all for all the hard work you're doing. And... um, we know that this is only one step in a in a long protracted war, but we're making the step. We're making the step. You know, I was looking at a documentary the other uh, well last night. It was about Teddy Roosevelt, <laughs> and he said, "I respect the person." who takes the next step, not the person who sits and theorizes about the 200th step. You all didn't sit back. You all out there and feet the fire campaign. You didn't sit back and just theorize about the fifth or the 10th or the 20th step. You took and you're taking the next step. And we're taking it together. We're taking it together. So as we wait for um, for um, the group, the various groups to get in touch, and um, as we wait to um, to follow up with the interviews, I want us to look at a list I created some time ago, back in 2014. Back in 2014. And it has, the title of it is Law Enforcement in Black and White. Now, this is 2014. So on the one list, under under Blacks, I have Michael Brown, 2014, Oscar Grant, 2009, Eric Garner, 2014, Wendell Allen, 2012, uh, Kamani Gray, 2013, uh, Kendrick McKay, 2012, Timothy Russell, 2012, Sean Bell, 2006. Now, just those short numbers. Now, none of those people were armed. None of those people had committed any murder, but yet and still all were killed. Now, you look on the other side, under white, and it talks about Jim Atkinson, killed two, wound seven, apprehended alive. 2008. Nicholas Troy Shelley, kills eight, apprehended alive. 2009, Richard Andrew Poplarski, kills three police, Pittsburgh police officers, wounds one, apprehended alive. Uh, Scott Evans uh, Decre, kills eight, wounds one, apprehended alive. 
2011, Jared Lee Lochner, killed six, wounds 13, apprehended alive. 2012, James Holmes, kills 12, wounds 62, apprehended alive. Total armed all. Total murders committed, 37. Total killed, zero. None. None. Now, when you look at that list of unarmed black people, and you look at this list of armed whites, you can't help but to see a pattern. The pattern emerges. The pattern screams out loud and clear. Even when whites have murdered, even when they have wounded, even when they've killed police officers, still armed, they get apprehended alive. If you are an unarmed black man, an unarmed black woman, your chances go up exponentially. Black men especially. This is what we see. To this day, to date, no one has been able to explain that list away because it can't be explained away. And what's left out of this, what's left out of this is the fact that you had people who drew guns on federal agents, white guys who put guns on federal agents and still walked away alive. They walked away alive. You know, Clyde Bundy's son and that group, they they weren't even convicted. They were acquitted. Same people who drew down on federal agents. Now, there's no way in the world, there is no way in the world you can tell me that if those were people of color, because we've seen it happen, we've seen what they've done to the water protectors in South South Dakota. Is that South Dakota or North Dakota? Sometimes I get it mixed up. But it's Standing Rock. We see what happened to unarmed people, unarmed water protectors. Now, don't get me wrong. Some of those people that I heard out there were white. We see what happens to people if they're just at a rally or protest, the harassment and sometimes the brutality. But if you pull guns on federal agents and happen to be white, oh, well, you get acquitted. Or if you happen to kill and shoot a bunch of people and you happen to be white, you seems you can get apprehended alive. There's something wrong with this. There's something wrong with black mothers and fathers going to the funeral of their children who were killed by police officers, and they were unarmed. They didn't kill anybody. They didn't hurt anybody. And yet they were unarmed. And yet they were killed. We can't keep making excuses for that. So those of you out there who are at the different uh, feet to fire campaigns, if you don't remember the number to call, the number is 215-383. 5738. That's 215 383 
5738. That's the number to call. We'd like to hear from you soon. I'd like to hear about what's going on there. We'd like to hear about, uh, we'd like to hear some of the stories of the people who are gathered there today and what brought them to Feet to Fire campaign. Would be nice to hear from you. I, uh, this is something I had, I've been covering for a very long time, for a very long time. Uh, and it's, a, it's amazing how much the same, and in some regards, how much worse things have gotten. How much worse things have gotten. I mean, because when we know better, we should be able to do better, right? When we know better, we should do better. But that's not, that's not what's happening. We're just being lynched on YouTube now instead of the woods somewhere or lynched on some sort of uh, streetlight. We're being lynched on Facebook and YouTube. We're being lynched on social media now. This is serious. And it ought to be taken seriously. What's being faced by many of us, it ought to be taken seriously. And to my well-intentioned but misguided white friends, this is not a distraction. This is not identity politics. This is life and death. This is life and death. This is not identity politics. This is not a distraction. And I've heard people say, well, when you bring up these racial issues, well, it's serving as a distraction. Are you seriously telling me death and mass incarceration is viewed by you as a distraction? You hold a dying child in your arms. You you watch on on social media your father or your mother get killed over and over and over again. And then tell me how you would feel that someone called what you were doing to bring in attention to that injustice a distraction or identity politics. Until you've had to have those conversations with your children about how you're supposed to act in the presence of law enforcement, when you shouldn't have to have that conversation at all, when your child looks at you with the, that, that, that hurt look in their eyes, and not just that hurt look in your eye, their eyes, but they look at you with frustration and angst because it appears no matter what they do, they'll be a target. If I smile, they think I'm making fun of them. If I frown, then they think I'm threatening to them. If I hold my arms up, they're threatened. If I fold my arms, they're threatened. If I'm walking towards them, they're threatened. If my back is turned to them, they're threatened. 
All these instances I named have been ways in which people of color have been killed. They've done all those things. They talked and they were silent. And at some point, you've got to stop blaming the people who are getting killed and start looking at the people who are doing the killing. And shame on you if you try to bring up black-on-black crime every time some black person is killed by the police. When, when a precious, blonde-haired, blue-eyed child is killed, I'm not looking at white-on-white crime. And I could point to a lot of instances there of crime. We just don't talk about them. We don't call them white crime. We don't call it white-on-white crime. We just call it crime. And therefore, you don't get the color treatment in that. Your ethnicity is not under attack then. All right, I have someone on hold, been on hold for about a minute here, all right? This is Dr. Ryan's of Rhymes Reasons. Who am I talking to? Hi, this is Candace Brewer with the Speak to Fire campaign out of Greenville, South yes. Carolina. Yes, Candace, how are you? I'm good. How are you today? I'm 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 doing fine. I mean, it's a yeah. I'm I hear you. With the I'm okay. Well. Hold on a second. I'm getting some feedback. Hold on, Candice. Okay. Yeah, I'm getting some feedback here. Give me a moment. Okay. Okay. Can you hear me now? I can. We also have a seal in the Guanza with the Malcolm X Center as well. Okay. All right. Uh, what What are we looking at today? What What makes Seek the Fire necessary in South Carolina? Because they're killing us. They're killing all of right. us, and they're not being held accountable. They're not even being held responsible for it. Hmm. 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 All right. What 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 does the crowd look like right now? What, where are we at right now when it comes to uh, well, turnout? Well, the, there's a few people here. It's not as big as mm-hmm. we expected, but even with the ones right. that are here, we're going to make an impact, and we're still going to hand deliver a list of our demands to the prosecutor's office. Exactly, exactly. Now, do you have a personal story that brings you to Feet to the Fire, Feet to Fire campaign, Candace? Well, I do. My my uncle, his name is Charles Rosemont Sr., he was murdered by a Greenville County deputy back on December the 10th, 2015, and no one has mm. been held accountable. No one is accepting responsibility. How has that impacted your family? Uh, I, I know a little bit about having someone murdered in my family. Uh, but not at the hands of law enforcement. I mean, how does this impact your family? Because I want people to understand that people like your uncle are not statistics. They're, they're human beings. They had a life. And I want people to understand what happens when that life is taken away and then there's no justice. How has that impacted your family, his death, by police? Well, it has really impacted our family tremendously. Our uncle, he was like the backbone of our family, and we were mm-hmm. used to seeing him or either talking with him every day. 
But now that mm. he's been killed by law enforcement, it, it, you can't even trust law enforcement at all because now you're thinking, are they going to show up and kill me next? Are they going to kill my son next? Will it be my brother next? Who are they going to kill next? Because you know they're going to kill someone, especially when no one is holding them accountable and no one is holding them responsible. Like, we, we're still trying to make sense of it all, and with no one willing to speak with us, not even a sheriff, and it's been over a year, we still haven't even spoken with the sheriff's office about it. All we get is that they're investigating, and now we're getting, well, we did our investigation, but we didn't see any wrongdoing. And I don't understand how the police can show up at someone's house at 1 o'clock in the morning, kick in their door, and go in there and kill them, and nothing is done about it. So we're we're still very sad, we're very hurt, but now our hurt is turning into anger. And so now we're seeking justice for not only for my uncle, but for all of the stolen lives that have been killed by the police. Now, you said that they broke into his place at 1 o'clock in the morning and just killed him. Did they give you a reason as to why they did that in the first place? Well, the thing that happened... It was 1 o'clock in the morning. A neighbor called the police and said that they heard a commotion going on in my uncle's apartment. My uncle was actually Mm -hmm. being robbed by three intruders. He was being robbed and beaten and pistol whipped. So the neighbors called the police and told the police what was going on. The police showed up at the door. They kicked the door in without announcing themselves, and they held a gun, and they shot my uncle. My uncle, being that he had just been robbed, being that he had just been pistol whipped, the police says that he was standing there with a gun and that he mm. shot one of the deputies. The bullet grazed the deputy's head. And then the police mm. turn around and they tell us, yeah, we understand that your uncle was standing at the door and he probably felt that it was the intruders coming back, but our officers did nothing wrong when they kicked down the door and shot and killed him. You know, I don't understand mm. that I have a hard time agreeing with that because my uncle he needed help. He had been pissed mm-hmm. with. He had been robbed by three guys. He needed help. And I'm pretty sure he was in fear for his life with someone just kicking in his door. Of course he was mm-hmm. going to be thinking that it's the intruders coming back to rob him again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And and their their quote unquote investigation found no wrongdoing on the officer's part. Of course. Mm. Did he have any they, children? They told us, yeah, he had children. His children were in their 20s. But what the mm-hmm. solicitor told us is that even though they feel like my uncle was only protecting himself because he thought that the police were, in fact, the intruders, they said that they feel like had a right to protect themselves also, even if they broke protocol, even if they broke procedures, that they had a right to protect themselves. All right. Um, you have someone there from the Malcolm X Center as well? I do. Her name is Athea Naguanz. I'm going to put her on the phone. Okay, thank you. Thank you, Candace. Oh, you're very welcome. Thank you. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Is it Athea? Athea Wangaza. Athea Wangaza. Okay. Yes. I'm the uh, founding director of the Malcolm X Center and of the South Carolina Stolen Lives Project. I serve on the National uh, Steering Committee for the Stolen Lives Project, which, of course, is the first um, effort to document 
police violence in the United States. It began mm-hmm. in 1991 um, at a time when we literally had to go to the library, look at the microfiche in order to be able to document the thousands of cases that uh, are resulting from police violence. Mm-hmm. And, so, and what... What has your studies and what has your research brought into uh, into the light? Well, first of all, because of the work of the Stolen Lives Project, of which Juanita Young and Arnetta Grable are the true mothers of the movement against police violence and the stolen lives, has uh, disclosed the fact that on average there are a 1,000 people killed by law enforcement each year. So that means that over the 20 years that we have crisscrossed this country at our own expense um, and out of our own grief and outrage, Hmm. 20,000 people have been killed uh, in the interim, resulting in the creation of the current atmosphere where, one, we see a database being created by the Washington Post. We see a database Mm -hmm. created by The Guardian. We see a database created by Killed by Police, none of which existed when we began. People have a tendency to think that it was, you know, it just happened uh, out of nowhere or concern. But the reality is is that there have been people who have been working for the past 20 years to make this happen. Um, Carl Dick, of course, is another person who yeah. was a moving force along with Monica Shea, um, or Catherine, yeah. as, as she was called, who was the, the organizing force to make sure that every October 22nd that the names of the people killed during the prior 12 months were not only discovered but raised uh, to the public and called out in public spaces. So the mm. Stolen Lives Project is a significant a force in the movement that exists and the demand for policy changes um, as listed by um, uh, Candace and articulated by Feature of Fire uh, emphasized at this point, which, again, as I said, has been being called for the past 20 years. So we're glad to see the new faces and the new energy that uh, will keep this keep it moving. Yes, well... I'm sorry why the new faces have become a part of it. Uh, it means we're That's having the same, the same old problem. Uh, but right. is there a personal, other than your love for the community, is there a personal story that brings you into uh, contact with this issue? I've been dealing with the issue of police violence since I was 16 years old. I am now mm. 70. So mm. there are a number of instances that I could refer to, uh, refer to, but I think mm-hmm. the one that got me on on the path was that at the time of my initial engagement against police violence was an assault by police on my then 12-year-old sister where we were mm. participating in an anti-segregation uh, uh, demonstration and they uh, knocked out her front teeth, broke broke her uh, glasses, later uh, assaulted two of the young people who were involved, uh, busting the spleen of one young man, resulting in his being hospitalized for over six months. 
uh, ripping out the fingernails of a second young man who was at that time mm. a French horn player and high school student, which of course introduced me to police, not just violence and terror, but police torture, where we mm. were run over by horses and jeeps in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. So my history with uh, police violence, confronting police violence, and demanding an end to it um, is more than 50 years old. Right. Now, now, what do you say? And I, I know what my answer is. But what do you say to those people that when you talk about police violence against the community, the black community, and even brown community and native communities, when you talk about this police violence, and then they throw out the whole black-on-black crime thing. I mean, what is your response to that? There's I mean, a distinct difference is- between, between interpersonal violence and state violence. And hmm. to talk about state uh, interpersonal violence in a community that is oppressed, that is itself under siege and violated, is a distraction. When we look at the unemployment rate, we look at poor uh, education, health care, um, housing, then we cannot allow us to be distracted by uh, that um, shiny bauble. The fact of the matter mm-hmm. is, is that the state must be held to a higher standard. The, ha- mm-hmm. the state always, at some point or another, uh, finds the person who engaged in the interpersonal violence and punishes mm-hmm. them. On the other mm-hmm. hand, when the estate engages in uh, white supremacist violence, which is what it is to maintain the status quo, then mm-hmm. there are no punishments. Whether or not um, the person is murdered and they simply felt that they were uh, at risk or the person, in fact, uh, had a, a lawful weapon, as in the case of Philando Castile. So, right. We must not allow our side the continued lynching, the, the history of lynching that black people have experienced in this country at the hands of white policymakers, even though at times carried out by black personnel. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I would also like to add that when, um, when whites commit violence, it's never brought to the attention of white folks when they're seeking justice. That oh well your community did your community did that and uh, it Thank seems you. that that's the the litmus test they try to hold when it comes to us that uh, yes. if, you know if you weren't doing these things to yourself then the police wouldn't do these things to you well, not we know understanding that that's not that, true. And not know understanding that's not that true. law enforcement has a longer history than what we've been doing. <laughs> not only that so, they the law enforcement murders us whether we are. Armed, unarmed, young, old, exactly. sagging, straight. There, there is yes. not what our hands are on the steering wheel, the lights are yes. on or not. Yes. I would point out yes. to people that every 28 hours in this country, a black person is murdered by law enforcement, security guards, or vigilantes, all with mm-hmm. impunity. It mm-hmm. is intolerable. It is no longer, we, we must no longer rationalize the, mm-hmm. uh, the slaughter against us. I would call mm-hmm. people's attention the PBS documentary called The Talk, where mm-hmm. we are compelled to program our children to adjust to injustice. 
the psychological, mm-hmm. emotional, and physical impact that it has not only on our children, but on us as adults to have to say to our children that they are lesser beings and cannot expect to be respected by the uh, public employees to which our tax dollars are paid. Mm. Mm. Well, I thank you for your time. Um, and uh, any way that we here on, on Rhymes Media Group can continue to support the work that you all are doing, we're just a IM or email a phone call away. <laughs> Thank you so much for participating and supporting us in this effort. Thank you. Yeah, well, you're supporting all of us. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. So that was we. So we just heard from South Carolina and um, Candace. And um, why can't I remember the name right now? You have to forgive me, uh, but the sister who's the head of the Malcolm X Center and also the head of the Stolen Lines chapter in South Carolina and is on the national steering board uh, in South Carolina, Stolen Lines. So we are at a critical time right now, people, a critical time in our history. Oh, we got someone else on hold here. Um, the uh, get the phone here. Hold on. Hello, this is Ryan's Reasons. Ever Ryan? Hi, Ryan. This is Lada McNair. Well, Hi, Ryan. This is Lada McNair. Can you hear me? Yeah, I'm okay. I can you? Very well. Yes. Yeah. Very well. Uh, how Thank is you. it looking in Detroit, sister? Uh, we have supporters out here. We had reporters out here. Uh, mm-hmm. More people are coming up. Uh, you know, it's just getting mm-hmm. started, and they they agree. We had a lot of police officers pull up and read our signs and put their heads down and drive away. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, but we're out here in front of a federal courthouse, and uh, That's right. we have we have the sheriffs, the state troopers, the police, and uh, county all within the two block area. So we're getting mm-hmm. them all at one mm-hmm. time. All right. All right. Nice strategy, sister. Um, Thank you. <laughs> um, <laughs> what I want you to tell uh, those who are listening across the country and across the world, mind you, uh, I would like mm-hmm. for you to tell us what conditions in Detroit has brought uh, Post uh, to being uh, our Protect Our Stolen Treasures. Uh, why is Post in existence? When it comes to Detroit, what what conditions exist there that make folks necessary? Um, I'm call. Yeah, well, what brought about post is police officers getting away with murder. Prosecutors mm. not prosecuting people for murder. Mm. We have a prosecutor here that hasn't done a thing in over. 15, 20 years to a police officer, regardless of the crime. Mm. And just last week, um, four of her prosecutors, four of her assistant prosecutors, wrote a judge, petitioned the judge to be lenient with officers that were convicted of stealing drugs and money from drug dealers. Yeah. Yeah. 
you know, and her, her thing is, well, this is an interdepartmental thing, we'll deal with it. But one of your prosecutors is sleeping with one of the cops that she's trying to get off. Mm. 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 So the corruptness in this city, I love Detroit. It's nothing like it was yeah. when I grew up, but right. I, I still love my city, and I want this done. I want them out. I don't want my grandkids mm. suffering through this kind of stuff. Mm. You know, it's bad enough I've lost a child to this. And Speaking it's of being which, right. Speaking of which, you and I had started a, a dialogue uh, on Facebook, and I wanted you to share what personally puts you at, on the front lines of this fight. What personally makes you get up every day and say, "I got to keep swinging." Tell us about that, uh, Yolanda, please. Um. Well, I'm the president of Post, one of the co-founders of Post, and Post stands for Protect Our Stolen Treasures. And it's our jobs as mothers to protect our children, fathers to protect our children, because there are mothers and fathers in our children. And when it came to trusting in the system, the system let us down in the greatest way ever. Not Mm -hmm. only... Do you have me paying taxes, but you have me paying the salary of the person that killed my child? Mm. You have led us with no recourse. We have to take this fight on ourselves. We, we're the responsible ones when our children do something wrong. So mm. when are police responsible for when they do wrong? When is the prosecutor, mm. the police chief, responsible? Who's responsible? And that, the way that they're telling us, nobody is. Just get over it. Mm. And there's no such thing as getting over losing a child. Mm. I told a person uh, just last week, looking down into that grave, knowing that my daughter was going to go in that hole and never come out, left scars on my heart. And there's scars Mm. that every mother and father that's lost someone feels. Every brother, Mm. sister, husband, child, grandchild. Mm. And nobody sees it, but we all feel it every time we take a breath. Every time we see yeah. something that they love, hear something that they love, it yeah. never goes away. So it's yeah. up to us to make things right. Yeah. I'll fight for my child's justice until my last breath. Tell Everybody us about here is committed to doing that. Tell us about your daughter. <sighs> well, Adesha was, she was the light of our family. You know, the oldest child of my, of my children. Right. But she was loved by everybody. She was the uh-huh. one that always wanted to see you smile, always wanted to see you happy, would do anything she could to help anyone. She wasn't mm-hmm. discriminating in that. I taught my children, it doesn't make a difference if a person is black, white, polka dot, or striped. If they do you right, they're your friend. <laughs> if they do you wrong, they're certain that's the only chance they ever got to do it. <laughs> and she just loved people, period. It didn't make a difference. And um, it's a matter of yeah. she just loved life. She wanted yeah. to be happy. She wanted everybody to be happy. And she, you know, she would give you the shirt off her back. She was very talented. She was. She wrote poems, haikus. She played music. Mm. She wrote stories. She loved children. Mm. She loved watching them learn. She loved watching their eyes light up when they figured out something. You know, she was never that person that was going to 
cause problems. She was the diffuser. We can talk mm-hmm. it out. There's nothing we can talk out. Just give it a sec. That was her. Right. Yeah. She was she was the friend that you introduced to your friends, and all of a sudden, all your friends were her friends too. Hmm. Yeah. yeah. Well. And to lose her the day before her 25th birthday was insult to injury. Hmm. Well, how did you yeah. find out? How did you find out? I was at work. I got a phone call from my younger daughter's uh, fiance. Hmm. And he said, Ma, you need to get to the hospital. Daddy's been shot. Um, okay. I rushed to get everything I had together to leave work. And it just, I felt a weight on my shoulders just pushed me back down into the seat. And I knew, you know, no matter how fast I got there, it wasn't going to be a difference. My baby was gone. Yeah. Yeah. And um, that was the worst day ever. That's, that that was harder than losing my mother. That was harder than mm-hmm. losing my favorite cousin a week before my birthday. Yeah. There's nothing like that. There and is. to know that it came at the hand of somebody whose job it is is to protect, is to yeah. ensure safety, is to be aware and make certain that nothing happens to anyone around them. Right. And, then, you know, his behavior is, uh, it's okay. It's so well. Let it go. You got more kids. Mm. But I only have one Nadesha. That's right. That's right. Tell me if you can ask one thing of this society when it comes to this issue. And I'm not, and I won't racialize, I'll cross the board. What do you think it is this society needs to get straight so we don't lose any more of our, so no more of our, uh, our, our stolen, our treasures are stolen from us? What would you tell this society? If you had one thing to tell them that would protect our stolen treasures, what would it be? Remember that we are a village. Mm. It's no individual. There's no separation. You're mm-hmm. buying into propaganda that's meant to make someone money. Mm-hmm. Money is not your God. Mm-hmm. Life is to be lived. Mm-hmm. Not suffer through, not struggle through, not with remorse. It's to be lived. And you wouldn't want to be in my shoes. I'm not wishing anybody ever to be in my shoes. But understand this, it's a walk I'm going to take. Without a doubt, I will walk this walk. But to become a village again is what we need to be, where everybody's pain, everybody's worries, everybody's health, everybody's happiness is for the greater good of everyone. Jealousy does nothing for you. Arrogance does nothing for you. And at the end of the day, what do you want to be remembered for? Having a lot of money or a lot of friends that loved you. Well, I know you're going to keep swinging. I know you're going to keep fighting. And uh, as I told Candace out in South Carolina, whatever we can do here on Rhymes Media Group to help 
in this fight and this struggle. We will do. We will do. Uh, thank you. Uh, thank you for just giving us this venue to get this out for people to understand yeah. and see. You know, yeah. they can hear us. You can hear the people yeah. in the background shouting. And there's yes. more people coming, you know. Yes. It's a matter of caring about life. It doesn't have to be someone you know. I hate it right. every time I hear that someone got shot and killed. Right. I don't want to hear that. I don't want to see that. It's another right. life lost, wasted for nothing. And then yeah. the cops want to go out around like they're, you know, there's something super about them. You're a person. You're a citizen that chose that job and to wear that badge and you took an oath and you don't give a damn about it. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I appreciate what you all are doing on the ground out there. I know it's not easy. I know it's not an easy walk to walk, but as you said it, you're going to walk it. And that much I did know about you from our first conversation. So, yes, sir. <laughs> so I think we I think we had somebody else in Detroit on hold for about 20 minutes. So, oh, wow. okay. <laughs> I'm going to leave you now uh, uh, on air, Yolanda, but we'll stay in touch, all right? All righty. You take okay. care of yourself. Keep their feet Thank to the fire, sister. All yes, right. sir. All righty. <laughs> Bye now. Hello, this is Rhymes Reasons with Dr. Edward Rhymes. Who am I talking to? Hello? Hello? Uh, they must have hung up because I had them on hold for quite some time. Um, the the person that was on for about 20 minutes, I am so sorry. It's one of the things I was trying not to get was this, like, call traffic jam. <laughs> and to make sure that everybody would get an opportunity to get, get an opportunity to get heard. If you're still listening, please call back in. Um, the number is 215-383-5738. That's 215-383-5738. Um, let me try to connect with someone else here. And um, but but I I hope we listen to the stories of pain here. These are not just statistics. These are not just faces in a newspaper or an obituary. These are breathing, living people who walk every day with this pain of losing their children and their husbands and their brothers and their uncles to police violence, to police violence. We got to do better than that. We have to do better than that. Once again, that number to call is... Hold on a second. I have to type something out here. That number to call is, is oh, did we get him back? Hello? Hello? Nope, not there. All right. So that number to call is 215-383-5738. There's something, a piece that I wrote some years ago right after the Zimmerman verdict when it came to Trayvon Martin's death. And um, it's a piece that I wrote that um, I believe is fitting for where we are at right now. 
and if it can help anybody hold those accountable to the feet of oh, we got someone online here right now. Hold on. Hello, this is Rhymes Reasons with Edward Rhymes. Who am I speaking to? Hello, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Hello? Uh, my name is Aiden. Hello, I'm from Oregon. You're from? Hello, Oregon. Oregon, okay. So, what can I help um, you? Um, I just calling you because I know the Paul's doing this today, and um, I won't just tell my son's story. He was killed by police here in Oregon. Okay. In Milwaukee, Oregon, and he's mad. I did not uh, like make attention to public. So my right. mission, like a mother, to spread it because so many cowards come to his matter, and so many lie, and everything was covered up. And mm-hmm. I don't want, you know, let it go to people who are supposed to protect us and serve, right. just killing our children. And especially yeah. in Oregon, it's it's like separate republic and like nothing happened, but it's happened mm-hmm. here. Right. So my, my son was 19 years old. Oh. He was, uh, uh, he was, uh, uh, you know, loves, History. He was so passionate about uh, constitution rights, about uh, human rights. He was uh, like a defender for all this, and uh, he was he has a mental crisis because before he has uh, interfered with police and they beat him in his Mm. head. So after this, what happened? He has PTSD that make mm. him so worry about what's going on in the country. Mm. And uh, he was worried about all this matter that happened, especially for African-American right. people. And right. before his death, for a couple of weeks, he started to talk to me about all this story. And he tell he was here for his life, and he say me, Mom, you know, they're going to kill me about my position because I'm defending people's constitution rights and I see what's going on in the country and I'm standing against it and he was mm-hmm. telling them his uh, you know his position in life and he was telling that police uh, police uh, like you know are doing not right thing with people they broken mm-hmm. our constitution rights they broken our right. human rights so on January 28, 2016, when my son has a mental crisis about all this, and as well he called to police to say that he's uh, so fearing about his life. Mm-hmm. So when they come, this morning I was at home, but my husband was at work, and I called him that something wrong with our son, and I asked him to come back. So when mm-hmm. he come back and bring uh, some friends who knows my son since he grew up, right. uh, to talk to him. They right. come and take us away from our son. But what did our son? He take his clothes off. He lock himself in his room. He take his clothes off, and he sit on the window, out of the window. 
to just show them that he does not have any weapon with him and he just needs to talk. And when they come, I ask them, you know what, my son has mental price. I need his medical attention. I need to take him. Please, right. please, I beg you, don't shoot. Just talk to him. Please talk to him right. and get him medical attention. So what right. they did, they take us apart from our son hold us away because they say it's their responsibility and they say ma'am everything will be okay with your son we are here we're here to help help Mm -hmm. and since they started they uh, they keep all information out we like ask what you're doing how he's talking everything okay we still negotiate with him but they call Mm -hmm. to SWAT we start to worry when they see SWAT come and we start to worry and ask what's going on. But they say, oh, we don't know. We don't have information. Just stay there. We will talk. And they talk to him like two hours and a half. And suddenly we hear this shots. We were in the office area of our apartment. We hear three shots. We, we ask them what's going on. And they say, oh, nothing. We just put tear gas because we want your son out. And they're like, oh, my God, tear gas. I tell them he's allergic. He cannot handle any tear gas. And this time they shot him, but they say, we need to talk. We need to help your son. So they took us and started to interview because they want to help our son and they want to know if it makes him better him. They hold us information that they shot him. Mm. They keep us. Uh, until 4 o'clock in the afternoon, and it starts 4.17 in the morning. They keep us mm-hmm. uh, unknown a situation about our son. They call SWAT, they shoot him, they leave him in his room bleeding to death, did not get medical attention. For ho- four mm-hmm. and a half hours, let him bleeding to death. Like during this time, they threw tears in his room, just let him, you know, dying slowly. And they keep all information about us. But four o'clock, they tell, oh, I'm sorry, your your son was shot. Four o'clock, after four and a half hours, mm-hmm. they took him finally to emergency. But what they did when they took to emergency, they put handicap on him when he was unconscious. Mm-hmm. They bring mm-hmm. him to emergency, and finally somehow they give us our car to go to emergency. But when we come there... The doctors say they could not save him because he lost a lot of blood. If they brought him earlier, he has a chance to live. And after this, you know, the finally everything up that all situation they uh, they they put whatever they want, and mm-hmm. finally they give us death certificate. They, my son, death was suicide that my son was fearing for his life, he wants to leave, but he does not know how to handle his crisis. They tell mm-hmm. that he was suicide. And plus, they destroyed our apartment that we could not leave one day. They put us on the street. And after this, our manager charged us for all this destruction in the apartment for $15,000 that we need to pay. And everything was like nobody even know my son's story except the neighbors because they keep us out of media, they keep us out of everything. And after this happened, you don't know what to do. You don't know what to go. You, know, you don't know how you 
you have to act because your son is dead and nobody responsible. And these two officers who did it get satisfied. That was their protection because they fear their life from 19 years old boy who just want to tell them, talk, and who just beg them for help. So mm. this is my story. And my son supposed to go like other thousand. And, you know, it's, it's pain. Yeah. It's I know. big pain. And yeah. you don't know that somebody wants to get in this situation. And it's hard yeah. to hear when every time it's coming. Even yeah. in our area, in our area, after my son, they continue to kill young people. But he yeah. fell up. And now, a week ago, they did Queen's Haze, 17 mm. years, and they continue, but they covered and covered, and nobody responsible. So, yeah. this is my story. What was your son's and name I, again? Christopher Kalonji. Christopher. <laughs> Christopher, yeah, and he was 19, and he was a smart guy, and he could be, I think if he leave, his future will be, he could make a changes in our system because yeah. he was so passionate about, you know, criminal system, constitutional yeah. rights, and he tell us, Mom, yeah. you, you know what's going on. We need to fight for our rights, and he was right yeah. because it's not stopped. Yeah. It's not, and they well, don't you... accept us like that. Well, guess like what? Now, now, people all over know his story. It'll be listened to over and over again because you called in. And so this will be, this is a recording that will play over and over again. So his story is no longer untold. It is Thank no you. longer Thank untold. You so his story will I be told over and over again. Well, I, Thank you. I wish I could do more. I Thank you so do. much. Thank you for sharing Thank your story. You Thank you. And yeah, I will. I will. In the name of my son, Christopher Kalonji, I do my best to stop it yes. as soon as we can. Thank you. Yes. Bye. Goodbye. I've, uh, I've dealt with death a lot of times in my life. I have more than I can get into. Huh. Some of them hit you harder. I know when I talked to Yolanda, it hit me pretty hard, and I know talking, oh, my goodness. All right, I'm going to go to the next caller now. Hello, this is Rhymes Reasons with Edward Rhymes. Who am I talking to? Hi, Hello? good morning. This is Monique. Hello, can you hear me? Yes, Monique, I can Hello? hear you. Monique, Hi. I can hear you. <laughs> I'm so sorry. It's okay. My name is Monique Wallace, and mm-hmm. I would just like to say, um, I think that was Irene that just called. Yeah. About her son, Christopher. Yeah. Um, I would just like to say, God bless you, and um, I am absolutely mortified by the horror in your story and I will help spread that story 
Um, right. And she happens to be on. She happens to be um, one of my um, dear friends on a mm-hmm. link that we're all on together called Mothers for Justice. Mm-hmm. And it's like being. Um, let me just first say that I'm the mother of Megan Marie Hockaday, and my daughter Megan was murdered by Oxnard, California PD officer Roger mm-hmm. Garcia. Uh, March 28th, 2015, next month on the 28th will be the two-year anniversary to our uh, horror story. This officer had already tried to kill a woman in a local park out here called Mm -hmm. Colonia, and he had already tried to kill a woman in that park. His wife ended up leaving him and taking his daughter, not just taking the daughter, but literally hid the daughter. She Mm. had to pull her out of school. And what we were told is that she had pulled her out of school so that he wouldn't know where she was. I don't know what their current status is, but that was what Mm. was going on in this person's Mm. life before he um, murdered my daughter. We have somebody that just retired from the police department out here and um we share an auntie um she's um auntie by love to me but she's a blood auntie to him and he he told her he told her this cop was just waiting to kill somebody he was just waiting Mm. to shoot somebody Mm. the incident in the park happened because a homeless woman needed help of course, like so many times, we call the police for help, thinking we're right. going to get help, and right. they come over there and turn the situation into a nightmare. Yeah. So um, she calls for help. This fool is running through the park at a distance because he got it in his head she might have a gun. What? Mm. What is the old lady in the park that's homeless going to be doing with a gun? So he's mm. running through the park. As soon as he sees her, he's trying to shoot her. Mm. He's not asking her anything or questioning no. her or even assessing the scene first. He's mm. literally running through the park shooting aimlessly. Mm. The district attorney's office told me this standing at my front door. The lead investigator for our case that is in, in this is the investigation from the DA's office. They were doing their investigation after the police department. They came to my house to um, get some more information to me. And as we were talking, my uh, 11-year-old little girl and the uh, prosecuting, um, or not the prosecuting, but the um, lead investigator for the DA's office, as we were all talking, my daughter and I started asking him questions about this dude. And we Mm -hmm. are like, you mean to tell me he was running through the park and well, see, first of all, he said, I want you to know that he did not shoot the woman. It was the other officers that shot the woman. The woman was shot at 36 times. She was Mm. paralyzed from the neck down, Mm. but every single one of his bullets missed her. Yes. Yes. Hold, hold just for one second. Uh, the person who's okay. on hold right now, please hold a little while longer. All right? So hold on. All right, Monique. Tell your story. 
Okay. Okay. So uh, what we were told is that he was ridiculed and he was basically clowned because he missed, he missed shooting her. But that's because he was running through the park at a, like a huge distance. So any one of those bullets could have hit anybody. So between his personal problems at home with his wife and the incident in the park, he was a ticking time bomb. The night my daughter was killed, it was Good Friday. They had been at my house to have a normal movie night. We had a couple of beers, called it a night. Her boyfriend started an argument with her like he always does. And um, they got home, and the argument escalated. He had put his hands on her and tried to wrestle her to the ground twice out of his own mouth. She picked up a little knife, and it was very small. It was a little, like, paring knife. Mm-hmm. And it was one of those kinds you can either spread butter with it or you can pair mm-hmm. apple with it. Right. Little tiny thing. Okay, right. this coward... This coward calls the police on my daughter with his drunk self, and this, the response, the responding officer was this killer cop who had already tried to murder a woman who was a ticking time bomb. He did the same thing he did in the park. He pulled his weapon and started shooting before he called for backup. He did not follow any criteria. He did not ID himself as an officer. He did not knock. My daughter Mm -hmm. didn't even know he was in the house. There was a five-month-old baby in the house. She had just had a baby. Three Mm -hmm. little girls, not seven feet from where their mother's body lie on the ground. They killed my Mm -hmm. daughter in front of her children. And let me tell you, he did the same thing he did in the park. After he starts shooting, then he calls for backup. You're not even supposed to enter into a home, into a domestic situation without backup. So this little bastard just takes matters into his own hands all the time. And then they put him right back uh, on duty. I'm just Mm. waiting to run into him, waiting to run into him. I've told them that what they need to do is set up a meeting with me and this person so it is in a controlled environment because he owes me a conversation. He owes me a conversation, and I'm going to get it. My daughter was shot in the back. Yeah, he does. Let me tell you what the report, let me tell you what the, the, the insult to injury talk about the feet to fire from the pan into the fire at the end of the report. And of course, you know, the police report tries to demonize my daughter. They try to blame the whole thing on her. Then they try to blame the whole thing on him. Then what they do is at the end. Oh, actually what we think must've happened is that officer Garcia's weapon must've gotten caught on this Hockaday's clothing somehow and it caused the gun to accidentally malfunction and simultaneously shoot off four rounds into her body. On what Acc- planet acc- does that happen? Accidental discharge. On what planet does that happen? Four times. But let me ask yeah, okay. you, uh, what about the fifth bullet in her back? Yeah. Okay, so the coroner's report is in it too. And the coroner's report says that she was shot in the back. 
mm-hmm. she was shot in the back. She's got a she's got two bullets in the stomach, one in the chest that lodged in her lung, and a defense wound right through her hand, which means she put her hand up to protect herself. Right. She knew she was being shot. She right. knew so she was how? being shot. And this little bastard is back on duty. And then he has the audacity, the audacity to stand there and say, hold on, ma'am. Hold on, ma'am. Help is coming. Don't leave us. Help is coming. What the fuck? What? And I can't even tell you how angry I am. I can't even tell you what this has done to our entire family. And they put this little bastard back on duty so he can enjoy his life. I mean, I'm sorry. I know it's not Christian. And God knows every single day of my life, I try. I ask God to give me what I need to forgive him. Yeah. But forgiveness is a process. It's not an event. (laughs) It isn't. It really isn't because I really want this dude's head on a platter. Right. I I I would love to have this dude's head on a platter. I know that doesn't sound right. God said vengeance yeah. is mine, but yeah. I, I, how many times does he get to take to destroy somebody's life? He's done it uh-huh. twice now. Why has he been yeah. reinstated into duty, active duty? Uh-huh. So you, you know we're trying her. to pass. No, go ahead. We're 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 trying to pass a bill just to let everybody know. The draft is called the Megan Hockaday Act, and um, that's the name of the draft of the bill. Um, the actual um, name is some long, you know, formal thing, but right. um, the draft is called the Megan Hockaday Act. We have posted a call to action all over the internet and on um, mm-hmm. through Messenger, and getting ready to post it on Instagram today. And we have until June to get as much heat on the senators um, where the bill is being passed. Um, David Samuels of Connecticut, and he also does an article for Hartford, Connecticut, for and Mary McDaniel. She is the one that created the bill and did the language for the bill. This bill is going to prevent officers from being able to murder people in the middle of emotional or mental crises. Mm. A fight with a boyfriend is an emotional crisis. And mm. when I say any kind of emotional or mental crisis, that can be from a schizophrenic episode to right. postpartum depression to a panic right. attack to ADD. Anything, any emotional or mental crises, you cannot go into somebody's home and murder somebody because they're having a panic attack. Right. Well, that's You don't what, get to murder somebody saw. because of that. Yeah, that's what we saw with the uh, previous call, Irene and her son. Hey. Exactly. Exactly. What, what, what we will do, we will uh, keep abreast of this. You keep us updated, and I'll try to find Absolutely. your group, Mothers for Justice, that have a Facebook page. Yes, um, okay. I I don't. We've been trying to get a website going, and our mm-hmm. name was already taken by somebody. But right. if you just go, um, if you just download your messenger, you have messenger. Just yeah. just go to just just put in Mothers for Justice, and it'll come up. Okay. Well, Monique, thank you for telling us your story and, and Megan's story. 
Thank you so much. I, I'm, I'm in 100% agreement with Irene. There are yeah. so many of these stories that have been kept yeah. the media. I also yeah. have been working. Um, I've been blessed that an organization called the African American Policy Forum, hashtag mm. say her name, the AAPF, right. um, all they they deal with investigating African American women that have mm-hmm. been murdered by the police department in America, yeah. and um, we just did a radio show for my daughter on So Metro Radio, Blythe Whitaker is the uh, producer of that show. And um, he did a wonderful job with David Samuels and I, and and um, it's called So Metro Radio. It's an internet radio show. And okay. the special, it was a two-hour special. It was called uh, Megan Hockaday, The War Against Black Women. And as I've learned, as I've learned, um, sharing my story and uh, you know it's like being it's like being forced into this horrible club that you don't want membership to but nevertheless Mm -hmm. you've got this membership for the rest of your life Um, it has been such a blessing for me to be able to share with people that know what I'm going through because they're going through it. Nobody understands unless they're going through it. Another mother who's not buried their child does not understand. And um, I have learned that black, white, yellow, red, and brown, all of our lives matter. All of our children's lives matter. And it's not just black people being murdered anymore. They're just killing everybody now. And, 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 and when does it stop? It stops by changing law. And what we have to do is start getting political people because there are laws that protect these coward cops. These are laws that need to be acknowledged. They need to um, be modified. And we need to start creating law. We need to create law that protects us. The Megan Hockaday Act is going to also prevent cops from being able to discharge their weapon with children on the premises. All right. So um, any minor on the premises... Yes, and there will be serious consequences for this for the coward that disobeys this law. And the accountability yeah. is ridiculous. I want accountability. They should yeah. be held accountable for every single yeah. life they take. And I yeah. really feel that all of these lawsuits and and uh, monetary compensation that's going out to all these families. I feel like a certain portion should be coming out of that cop's pension or out of his salary. Yeah. Why should the taxpayers pay for you to murder somebody? Why should we pay for you to murder somebody and hide behind a badge? It should come out of their checks. So I just want to thank you for having me. I know you got other callers. Yeah. But please remember her name. Megan. Please remember her name, Megan Hockaday. Megan Hockaday. Yeah. yeah. Thank you so right. much. God bless you. God bless you.
Hello, you're on Rhymes Reasons with Dr. Edward Rhymes. Who am I speaking to? I think I've seen this number before, and, and, you know, I feel really bad. This person is, like, called twice. Don't give up. <laughs> Don't give up. Uh, we'll touch base. Don't give up. We'll get connected. I mean, when you hear stories like this, when you hear stories of, and she's right, it is happening to to, to people no matter what color they are, that there are, yes, white people who have gone through this as well. Uh, my only caveat to that is, is that it's disproportionately happening to people of color. That means I have more of a chance of being killed by law enforcement officers than any uh, other group. That black men especially have more of a chance of being killed by law enforcement than anyone else. Um, and so there is, um, I don't want us to lose sight of the fact that all of us are in the emergency room, but we're not all in the emergency room for the same reasons. And if I was told, yeah, well, if you take this pill, you have a 20% chance of being cured. Uh, but if you take this shot, you'll have a 50% chance of being cured. Well, what am I going to take? I'm going to take the 50% one of being cured. Uh, now, let's flip this when it comes to talking about police brutality and police violence. Yeah, either way, it's, it, it, it's, it's horrible to lose a child. It is horrible. And I won't racialize the loss of a child. What I will say is this, is that Black women and Black men are disproportionately in that category of losing their children to police violence. And we need to keep track of that as well, too. Natives are disproportionately there. Uh, First Nation people are disproportionately there. And Hispanic people are disproportionately there. So there is a disproportionality to uh, this loss of life. Uh, but the number to call, once again, is 215 388 3-5738. That's 215-383-5738. I was in the, uh, before we got into the uh, crux of these conversations, which, <clears throat> which were, which are necessary. I was talking about a piece that I wrote some time ago uh, about the Zimmerman verdict. Uh, it says, what the, what the Zimmerman verdict tells Black America, Black children are not children. Um, and there is an, uh, a part of this, uh, black children, especially boys are viewed as problems to be solved rather than potential to be released or promises. The Zimmerman verdict says that their most mundane activities should always be viewed with skepticism. In other words, black children are never just walking home or never just going to get groceries or never just hanging out with friends. A more diabolical reason has to be ascribed to those actions because remember, black boys, black young men, and black children are always a threat, and threats need to be neutralized and or eliminated. So when you enter into a situation like this, looking to eliminate someone, when you look at them as a threat, first and foremost, not a human being, not a citizen, that will always lead to trouble. That will always lead to pain. Have another caller online. 
Hello, this is Rhymes Reasons with Edward Rhymes. Who am I speaking with? Lisa hello? Simpson, the mother of hello. hello. Lisa Simpson, the mother of Richard Richard. Yes, hello. How, How are, are you, you doing today? I'm, I'm, I'm trying I'm to make doing, it. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm making it. Hey, uh, what's your story? <laughs> uh, my son' name is Richard Richard. He was killed yeah. July twenty fifth, two thousand sixteen, in the Nickerson Garden by Los mm-hmm. Angeles Police Department. Uh, three mm-hmm. officers is on my son's head. Uh, from what I hear, they shot 50 shots, and my baby took 30. It'll be mm-hmm. seven months on the 25th of this month. I don't have a police report, an autopsy report. Uh, the oh DA, goodness. Jackie Lacey, uh, called my phone the other day talking about they still haven't got my son's case. It's a, a time-consuming, but now they harassing my family members. So. And how, what, it, what form is that harassment taking place? How are they doing that? Uh, they... They are uh, calling my family members' phones. Uh, I'm the first mm-hmm. woman of America that they tried a new gun violence restraining order on. They tried to prosecute me now for guns I owned 23 years ago. When I beat mm-hmm. the gun violence restraining order case, they, now they're trying to press criminal charges on me. But they killed my mm-hmm. son. I haven't killed no one. Mm-hmm. And and how was your son again, Richard? How old was he? He was 18. He was 18 years 18 old. 18 years old. Mm-hmm. Yep. And you're in Los Angeles. Okay. All right. Yeah. Have you had much success getting your story out there at all? Oh uh, well, I've been. I'm a freedom fighter now. I've been going all over the everywhere speaking about my son because I refuse to let them forget about what they did to my son. That's right. That's right. That's right. And how how are your days now? What's tell me your they're not days. really good, but you know. I, right. Go ahead. Yeah, I want to ask, what, are you, what were your days like with Richard and now what are they like without him? Because I think it's important for people to know what happened. Right. When when he was here, that was that was my heart. That was the love of my mm-hmm. life. You feel me? And now yeah. that he's gone, you know, I have four other siblings and I have an eight-year-old son. So, periodically, right. he asking me why the police killed his brother and I can't explain it. Right. You feel me? So. Right. My whole yeah. family, our whole life changed. It ain't ain't nothing the same. I'm trying. I'm in back in school right now, though, trying to get an outlet so I can have something right. to do with my time, so I won't be right. so frustrated thinking about why they killed my son. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Now you um you make sure uh, rhymes reasons is here. So you getting any okay. updates? You make sure <laughs> that you find us on Blog Talk Radio on the Rhymes Media Group. And uh, you, you you send me a comment or you give me a message, and we'll we'll make sure that his story that his name stays alive too. All right. Okay. You're not in this. All right. You're not in this alone, sister. Okay. Thank you. All right. You take care of yourself and take care of that baby. You too. All right. Oh yeah. Right. Michelle, have a great day. Power to the people and free us all. That's all right. right. Bye. Bye. There you go. Bye now. Hi, this is Ryan's Reasons with Network Rhymes. Who am I speaking with? Hello. Hi, how Hello? are you? I'm all right. Yes, can you hear me? It's a little hard to hear you. Okay. Uh, well, actually, right. I'm driving. Yeah, that's what it's kind of I have a, a loved one, and I'm grateful, but I am in touch with so many others that have. And my mm. billion-dollar question is, first, I want to 
um, acknowledge what you're doing and all the other radio stations that are tuned in and attempting to help right. our society as a whole because this yeah. affects everyone in many yeah. ways. And yeah. I have a very dear friend. Her name is Yolanda Bignair, and I've known yeah. her for quite some time. She lost yeah. her daughter to right. violence at his home, and yeah. it was his gun. So it doesn't matter right. um, the location, but it does matter whose location it was. You are yeah. automatically, exactly. by law, responsible. Or whatever happened at your house is your responsibility. Mm-hmm. And for you not to be held accountable and many more, quote-unquote, officers who have taken, now we got to go above them because they're not right. being held accountable. It's about holding accountable these lawyers, these prosecuting mm-hmm. attorneys, these judges. Right. This definitely has to stop. Because there's going to be a riot across America, a total riot, where you have law-abiding citizens, just like the woman who just called, now they want to burn her past and pull up something against her because she's standing up to speak the truth. And how they hide things and shit disappears. But Mm -hmm. I have also been doing a lot of research when it's a a Caucasian person. Mm Mm-hmm. They drop everything, and mm-hmm. they seek out that person. Now, yeah. 75% of the time, they got the right person. The mm-hmm. other 25%, they use black men as scapegoats. So now yeah. every time you turn around, people being released from prison that hasn't done the crime. You exactly. You've it 15 years, 20 years, 30 years. Right. They didn't miss out on everything of great importance, but they stand on the word of God and in faith and hope combined that somehow, some way, the truth will come out and they'll be free. Now, what price can you put on a person's life? You can't. Exactly. There's no way you can't. But my main concern is why are all these people, quote, unquote, who's supposed to be in charge are being able to just walk away or mm. they um take off duty with pay. That makes no, I don't want to use profanity because I'm an educated right. person. And right. And it's I a don't PG feel that that <laughs> You know, yeah. that doesn't work. It shows a form of illiteracy and ignorance. And yeah. as a people are not ignorant. Exactly. So we don't have to buy and We got to go beyond that. It's not about vengeance. It's about justice. Exactly. It's about all humans. We all have error. So why aren't these officers who are committing these crimes, breaking the law, not held to the same standard and higher? Mm. Because you don't protect. You ain't protecting nobody if you shot at this woman's son 50 times. What the? That makes no sense. No. So the whole country should be up in uproar. Mm. We need to be yeah. shutting some cities down. Not yeah. in a violent way, not to tear up no. destruction and burn. That's foolishness. No. Because we no. need there. You don't want to see that. No, not at all. You have to all. get your guns on. 
and stand together side by side. That's right. Even if we got to sit out in the front of the courthouse all the way, wrap the whole building around. Don't go to mm-hmm. work. Shut money down. Since it's the rule of everything. Don't spend none. Right. Black America needs to realize we spend more money than any other nationality. Yeah, it's hard being consumers. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So we have a voice. And again, I am so grateful that you and other radio hosts are getting together and putting this out there. It's already out there, but we can't let it fall to the wayside. That's and right. I truly appreciate you. And there's Thank so you. many victims out here that are being unheard. Right. You know, and now that people are stepping up based on their loss, see, you can never replace my child. Exactly. It's not enough nope. wealth on the planet to replace no. my child. You just exactly. took generations from me. Exactly. You took my grandbaby. I don't know what yes, they right. could have grown up. Exactly. But they could exactly. have been the society. Those that sure as they exactly. came out with it. Oh, Jesus. The devil is a lie. And I'm going to get off here because I know you have other people that you want to speak with. But All again, right, I am so grateful from my heart. And may yeah. God cover y'all. They'll attack you too. Right. Already happened, but. Thank you for the prayer. <laughs> I appreciate you. Yeah, I appreciate you, you too. Sister. You take day. care now. God bless you. I will. God bless you as well. Well, that sister's putting people's feet to the fire. Um, <laughs> um, I um, I find myself. This is called rhymes reasons. But today, people, this is this is your program. This program belongs to you today. Belongs to you. Your stories are the ones that I'm interested in hearing. Your stories are the ones I'm interested in sharing. Um, but until we get another call on, because we don't have a caller right now, um, uh, that when you look at black people and people of color as threats to be eliminated, when you look at them as threats to be eliminated, it creates an environment where unarmed blacks become the victims of uh, extrajudicial killings. That's, you know, a cop, security guard, or some sort of neighborhood watch type person, you know? Every 28 hours, we get killed by a cop or a security guard or some sort of Zimmerman type. And so the argument that has been and will continue to be made, especially like in places like Chicago, is that violence just takes, that's violence taking place in the black communities there. Why shouldn't a person like Zimmerman be afraid? Now, if that's an acceptable line of reasoning, let's really break this down. If I, if white people should be afraid of me because I am a black person, if a white cop or a cop, period, should be afraid of me because of the violence that takes place in the black community, and if you talk about black-on-black crime, well, as a police officer, as a white person, then you really don't have a whole lot to fear from me if it's about black-on-black crime. A, well, let's get to B. (laughs) 
If that's the case, then I should be afraid of white males in public places. They're more likely to go on a spree shooting or mass shooting campaign. If you want to take that racialized logic to the next step, white males are three to four times more likely to be under suspicion for child, child abduction, child molestation, and child murder. So I should, be, I should seriously be looking at every white guy that comes into the vicinity. Now, I'm saying all this because people try to use this excuse of black-on-black crime or black people are naturally prone to violence. What do you expect, you know, these police to do? And no, 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 I don't accept that. Now, I just rolled off some statistics here. But let me tell you something out there, people, and you can call it racially divisive if you want to. That's not the intent of this. This is to put it in perspective, because black people and people of color are being killed by police for a different reason than they kill other unarmed people. Yes, can it be some sort of power rush or authoritarian bent in the mindset of these officers when they kill anybody? Absolutely positive we can do that. But when the color of your skin has been criminalized, you become a threat on sight. Don't care how many crimes you didn't commit. Don't, many how, don't care how many taxes you paid. Don't care how many degrees you have. Don't care how far you've gone in this world. The first thing they see is that black skin because it has been criminalized in their minds. So on sight, you are considered a threat. Now, if you're going to use that same logic, that same logic, then you must care about arms dealers, right, who sell to terrorists and these different governments who, who arm terrorists. And those arms dealers and those arm manufacturers are overwhelmingly white. What about that crime by white people? They kill in the millions. They kill in the millions. They kill in the tens of millions. But nobody traces that back to their white skin. Yet black-on-black crime is thrown in the faces of black folks when we talk about police violence against black people. You ought to be ashamed of yourself for doing that. You ought to be ashamed. Next caller. Oh, yeah, I know. And so yes, how you gonna rhyme reasons? Was that what rhymes? Who am I speaking with? You can talk to him on the radio. Well, hello there. My name is Madge Penelope Morgan, and I'm uh, – 100% committed supporter of POST, a supporter and member of POST, and justice will be served by any means necessary. Hmm. All right. <laughs> All right. Where are you out of? I'm Detroit. I'm out of Highland Park. I live in Detroit. I am a Highland Park of Detroiter. Okay. All right, Matt. What What brings you to uh, Rhymed Reasons today. Well, I'm standing next to Miss Yolanda McNair, whose daughter's life was stolen by a Detroit pig. This is our protest down here today at Frank Murphy Hall Hall of Justice. And she's my sister. And Adesha was my brother. And Mm. as I all but my Adesha was my sister as all black people. And I'm here fighting Mm. for justice for all of us. 
All right. All right. That's all you need, sister. <laughs> That's all you need. Yeah. Um, let me ask you a question. What do you see as the biggest obstacle in making sure that these, you know, these cops are brought to justice for killing our our wives and our husbands, our sons and our daughters, our brothers and our sisters? What what do, what do you see as the biggest obstacle to making sure they are brought to justice? We must remove evil white people from being in charge. As long as white people are in charge and making decisions about people of color's lives, we will never receive justice. And so Madge Penelope Morgan says, anarchy! Okay. Anarchy. All right. <laughs> One of my father I'll, I'll take Kim Wolfless place. I'll become the new prosecutor. I mean, I don't have a law degree, but that's what white people say you got to have. I'm smart. I can do what she do. Make her own damn rules. Excuse me, I cuss a lot. But anyway, seriously, it's all about uh, removing this white power structure. Right. Okay. Yeah. Challenge the white power structure. That's right. You have to. That's right. You have to. Because I'm it wasn't it wasn't created to Run it out on a rail, brother, and then have the guillotines waiting for their necks to meet the blade. That's my position. Oh. Okay. Way get rid of okay. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I love you, brother. I I'm love out you, here. Too, All right. You take care now. Yolanda? <laughs> yes, sir. All right, you're still there. What does the crowd look like? I mean, what, what, what's what been going on so far there? I want to get a feel for the activity there. I, I just heard Madge, so I got an idea about her. Right. <laughs> uh, we call her Power, but, yeah, she's definitely a, yeah. a, a, a poor member of Post. Um, yes. Well, let's see. We've had police officers come out and stare at us. We've had the sheriffs come out and stand as though they were going to actually come down and attempt to move us. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, they didn't like us telling them that their boss was worthless and that we was waiting on her. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, we have a lot of people leaving court now that were jurors and whatnot, and they're coming over and speaking to us, mm-hmm. uh, offering their, their their help their help okay. and their support. Okay. That's right. All right. All right. right. I've also been asking, you know, when the second one is going to come come down the fire, you know, the second feature fire. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, well, you, we can get that going. And, and you know you, it's got to be on Rhymes Media Group the next time around as well, too. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely, without yeah. hesitation. Yeah. Uh, I have heard some very hard stories to listen to today. Um, the pain of, 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 of especially mothers today. And I wanted to ask you a question the last time you were on, Yolanda. I wanted to ask uh-huh. you this question. That you, 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 have, you had the Women's March on the 20th and the 21st of January, you have the Women's International Strike coming up on March 8th. How in tune do you feel with groups like that? Do you feel like that they have extended themselves enough to women of color? Because this is a woman's issue. Your child being killed by police is a woman's issue. So, how do you feel? Do you feel connected to those groups at all? Uh, that's kind of a difficult question to answer, simply because 
they have, uh, you know, some 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 factions of the groups reach out to us. The other ones say that they don't want to, you know, they don't want to get into it with the cops. They don't want to, you know, have to deal with the political side of it, the, the racial side of it, you know. But as long as it's their agenda, they're all for it. Um, mm. But I, I, me myself, I don't care what your group is or what your mm-hmm. initial goal may be. Justice mm-hmm. is for everybody. That's not a All that's right. not a particular thing for anyone. Hey, lady. No. Um, so you know we need to make sure that uh, everybody is connected because it doesn't make a difference if your child is two or fifty-two. Yeah. You're still a mother. Right. That's right. You know, and when they t- when somebody else puts their hands on your child and takes them away from you, your mm-hmm. instincts are nothing but. Right. You know, right. it's about the power of, our, of, of us joining together and being one. It's not about right. I had this agenda, you had this agenda. But as far right. as feeling connected to them, no, nah, not really. Because they don't, okay. you know, they work, they're operating on their own agenda, mm-hmm. their own fashion. Right. I don't mind right. supporting other groups. I love the fact that we're out here in this number because, you know, it wasn't that long ago that they said that, we weren't uh, qualified to hear things, see things, or do things mm-hmm. as women. That's right. That's right. And I, That's right. I've only seen one thing that a man can do that I can't, and technically I can. <laughs> okay. We ain't going there though. I'm not gonna say, I ain't going there. I'm gonna say <laughs> right, right. But I mean, technically I can. So it's nothing that they can do that we can't. But it's one thing we can do that a man cannot do. We can birth a child. We can take that pain. And if we go, if we go through that, we shouldn't be put through anything else. All right. All right. We should not be right. put through anything else, not at a man's hand. Mm-hmm. That's right. That's right. But, yeah, That's I'm trying right. to reach out to them all, all the time, you know. And mm-hmm. they'll start, oh, okay, but, and it's like, okay, I don't have time for you. Because right. you don't have any right. heart. Right. Well, I, I do find it, like I said, I do find it troubling that this is left out of the conversation when we talk about women's issues. You losing your child is a woman's issue. <laughs> right. And uh, I don't know right. how it's kept out of the conversation when you talk about women's issues. Uh, you can't tell that to Tamir to, to Rice's mother. You can't tell that no, you to Trayvon Martin's mother. You can't tell that to you. Can't tell that to right. uh, any number of women uh, who have lost. You can't tell it to Irene or Monique. Y'all, they, you know, it's not a woman's issue. Well, yeah, it is. Yeah. Very much. Right. It is yeah, probably it is. one of the most, it, it is probably in our time, one of the most predominant women's issues is dying at the hands of the state. <laughs> dying at the hands of the state. And no justice for, 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 for that action being taken against your children. So no. And then you leave that mother to raise that child, love that child, nurture that child. Yeah. Hey, hey, uh, Yolanda. Yolanda. Yeah. I can't hear you. Yes. Okay, now. Okay, I said the mother raises that child, teaches that child nurtures that child to be a good person, a good human being, to take care of the people. And then they're getting gunned down when they're doing absolutely nothing wrong. Standing at a corner, talking to somebody, you know, attending a party. Yeah. Playing like a kid does. You know, that's uncalled for. And then to sit up here and let these, I'm not going to call them what I want to call them, 
police officers know they're yeah. <laughs> get away with what they do. And so our children's right. lives have no meaning. You know, I, I did a speech right. and I told people that they act like my daughter's life was something they stepped in and had to wipe off their feet. And I'm mm. not going to have that. I'm not going to have it for me. I ain't going to have it for mm. nobody else. I don't need That's to know right. you. All I need to know is your child was taken from you. Mm-hmm. That's all I need to know. See, my, right. in my mind, I was raised and I understand. I understand the village. Right. I understand it. My family's creed is my family, my life. And I mean, literally, mm-hmm. it's tattooed on a lot of the male members of my family. It mm-hmm. is our creed. But you don't have to be blood to be family. That's right. And we That's understand right. that, too. That's right, sister. I so I fight for everybody. That's right. That's right. Well, I'm just trying to make sure everybody fights for us. <laughs> oh, definitely, definitely. Yeah. I thank you and, for that. And I'm gonna, and there will and definitely be a second super fire. Yeah. And I'm gonna talk about it when they don't. <laughs> oh, yeah, please do, please do. Pull that coat to it. Yeah. yeah. So not, yeah. you know, we we try to make them understand. Yeah. Okay. Well, all right. I I, I want to hear from you a little bit later if you have the time to tell it to, to update us on uh, what it looked like and how because I know it's starting to draw down a bit there. I know it's only supposed to be, what, for two hours? Right, right. Right. And I know so, that's blowing their mind because they don't even know we're about to leave. And they're trying to get prepared on how they're going to get her out the door. And <laughs> we're not even going to be here. <laughs> <laughs> well, you keep fighting a good fight, sister. Yes, sir. Love to you. All righty. Love All right. you, too. Bye now. Bye-bye. Yeah. Yeah, I, I yeah, I'm gonna just come right out and say it. You know, your child being killed by at the hands of the police is a woman's issue. And it is a woman's issue that women of color disproportionately go through. They disproportionately lose their children at the hands of police. All right? And they will disproportionately lose their son at the hands of police more than they will lose their daughter. So all this stuff is interconnected, people. It's all interconnected. If you think you can, you know, divest from this part of it and just play around with this area over there, guess what? You cannot. What did what did King say? He said that justice is indivisible. Injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. And we still haven't figured that one out. We still think we can segregate justice. Well, guess what? You tried segregating justice and what happened? You got visited by the same injustice you tried to hide yourself from. It comes to you sooner or later. You cannot get by doing that. That injustice will be laid at your feet sooner or later, and then you'll be wondering why people are not standing with you. People, we reap what we sow. We reap what we sow. And if you have reaped, if you have sown cowardice in the face of when you should have shown uh, uh, courage, If you have sown this nonsense of believing you can segregate justice, 
then guess what? You have reaped and you will reap a harvest of injustice. Can't work any other way. You sow the seeds of injustice, you're going to reap a harvest of injustice. There's no such thing as planting watermelon seeds and getting an orange tree. It doesn't work that way. So all I got is one question for you. What you planting? What you planting? What seeds are you planting? That's all I want to know. What seeds are you planting? Now, if I sound like I've had, you know, enough, I have. I have. I had wrote a piece, you know, I said, what the Zimmer verdict tells black people in, a, you know, America, our children are not children. Um. And I compared Trayvon to another person I knew. And I said, almost a century ago, in 1923, in Shivers, Mississippi, a teenager was almost Trayvon Martin. Bill had decided to take a swim in a pond in which many black kids had swam in for quite some time. What Bill didn't know was that that pond, after years of open access to all, was coveted and claimed by the county's white community and had become segregated, whites only. Now, Bill was notified of this rather rudely and roughly by three white teenagers, and not wanting to cause any trouble, he attempted to get out of the pond, but he wasn't allowed to. These teenagers was going to make an example out of Bill so that other blacks would not commit the same folly as swimming in their pond. Now, their decided course of action was lynching by way of drowning. But unbeknownst to them, Bill was a very strong swimmer, and he gained the advantage in the struggle. As a result, one of his aggressors went down permanently. His two cohorts ran away from shock and fear, I suppose, and that was the last day Bill and his immediate family spent in Copiah County, Mississippi. Because Bill, you see, didn't have the right to stand his ground. Now, Bill and his family moved to Chicago. He married, became a father to 14 children, was a sheriff's deputy and a detective, and passed away from lung cancer in 1979. Bill's full name was William Edward Rhine, and he was my grandfather. My grandfather was not a hard or excitable individual. On the contrary, he was easygoing and gentle and a gentle man of very few words. And yet, like Trayvon, he was treated as a cancer that needed to be excised. Bill and Trey are 90 years apart, but connected in the same South, in the same nation, by the same notion of the unrecognized humanity and worth of the Black child, of the Black person. This is what we're dealing with, ladies and gentlemen. We are dealing with the unrecognized humanity of black people in this country. 
We are dealing with the unrecognized humanity of people of color in this country. And there are those of you who want me to shut up on this because you think it's a distraction when I talk about what's happening to people of color. You think it's a distraction to talk about injustice that happens to what? People of color. You think I'm distracted. And if someone actually said this, someone actually had the nerve to write this, that it served as a distraction from greater issues. Tell me, what is a greater issue than life and death? We are dying. We are dying from poverty. We're dying from the results and impact that racism and internalized oppression produces, the violence that makes us see hatred, even to the point of hating our own selves. What else do we see? And we also see the death of black people, people of color, by the hands of the state without any legal recourse to address it most of the time. Life and death, talking about life and death issues is a distraction. How dare you? How dare you presume to be that arrogant, to tell a mother her pain, to tell a father their pain, to tell a brother or a sister that their pain is a distraction. Arrogance it must take to say something like that, to form the words, to let them come out of your mouth, to form them in your mind, for those things to be said, it takes a boatload of arrogance. We are here in this moment in time because slavery brought us here. Jim Crow brought us here. De facto racism and discrimination brought us here. Institutional and systemic racism has brought us here. We are here in this moment in time. And as you heard throughout the day, there are people who are still fighting. And there are people of every hue who have lost children in this fight, the fight against the state and how we've militarized our police departments, and how wherever they put their foot on, whatever part of soil, whatever soil they plant their feet on becomes some sort of militarized zone by extension. Well, let's stop with the pretense then. Let's stop with the pretense. Take, serve, and protect off the vehicles. It's mockery to people who are suffering at your at the hands of police. That statement mocks them. Serve and protect? Who? Who? And as I said earlier, stop trying to tell me whether well, they're good cops and they're bad cops. I, that's not, I'm not dealing with individual personalities here. I'm dealing with a system. I'm dealing with an institution. I'm dealing with an organization that discriminates. 
that perpetuates these lies, this pain, this horror, this terrorism, because that's what it is. It's terrorism. Talk to someone in Yemen. Talk to people in Afghanistan or Pakistan, and you listen to the children. I don't even want to go out to play because of the drones. I used to love to go out and play, but you never know when the drone is going to show up. Now, listen to children and people in this country. I don't know when the police are ever going to bother me. I don't know if they're ever going to, if they're going to leave me alone or if they're going to harass me. They have the same issues, the same questions. How does that happen? How does America get off trying to call themselves the beacon of the world when you're telling me that black people in Flint still don't have drinkable water, that our children are afraid not just to go out to play because of gang violence or or violence that's been called because of oppression. They're afraid to go out because of state-sponsored terrorism as well, too. How they must feel. The one piece of advice I would give this movement, and I'm not about giving advice. I'm really not. I, I don't like doing I don't like giving advice, but here's a piece of advice that I would like to give you all out there, especially you parents, you mothers, and you fathers. Join hands with people from across the globe. Talk to other parents what it feels like in Pakistan and Afghanistan and Yemen and Syria. Make friends with them on Facebook. Tell your stories to one another. Connect in that way. Connect in that way. Share your pain. Share your struggle. Work in solidarity. Speak out against the bombs that are falling on them needlessly and lawlessly. And I encourage them to speak out against the bullets that are being shot into the bodies of our children, of our people of our citizens in this country. That does it for this portion of Rhymes Reasons. This is the end of the show, and Thelma Rhymes' grandbaby boy has got to go. God bless, take care, and be safe. How do I know it's safe? Have a son in this America, in this America. How do I know it's safe to have a son in this America? Miss America